Sunny 16 presents. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Lighting Lounge. This will be episode number six. My name is John Michael, and uh, joining me this evening, evening for me and uh, mid-afternoon for you, is uh, Jamie Maldonado. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's wonderful that you can be here. Um, on our last show, we were saying that Aid is Aid is off gallivanting around Canada. Actually, at the moment, he's he's oh, taking yeah. a well deserved vacation, and we we actually were thinking that well, we weren't going to record for a while, but I, I sent him a message and I said, "Hey, we've been wanting to get some guests on, anyways. What do you think if I do it without you?" So, uh, Aid will oh, maybe cool. listen to this, and and uh, you were actually one of the first people that I thought about when when we were thinking about doing the show. Um, Partly because cool. I've I've watched a bunch of your videos, so awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, really lovely to have you on here. Um, for people who might not be uh, aware of you and your work and what you do, why don't you give us the uh, the thirty second the thirty second Jamie Maldonado story? <laughs> uh, I am a portrait, primarily portrait photographer, primarily on film these days from East Texas. That's the part that's um, east of Dallas with a bunch of trees and um i have been doing youtube videos for a few years i had worked in education and stuff like that but i'm just a full-time um photography and starting a community darkroom uh so we did fundraising for that that's complete and now we're trying to pin down a location cool cool yeah I, i saw on your social media and stuff that you were working on that project and you you seem to have gotten a lot of publicity. I saw some clips of you on the news and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how's, how's that whole experience been for you? It's been a lot of fun. I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to go, but um, I sent out a bunch of press releases to all these local organizations and new organizations and stuff. Didn't hear anything for like two or three weeks, and the fundraiser was going. And then finally, everyone started writing back. And it was so that was that was fun. I did local TV, local newspapers. Um, Local, yeah, a bunch of local stuff, a couple of national things. There was, uh, I think, 35 MMC, yeah, and some things like that. So that was fun. Negative positives, let me let me talk about it. And they just mentioned it again uh, this week, so that was fun. Cool. Um, how, is, how has the response been from, I don't know, newscasters or, or just normal people on the street, people who aren't kind of in this film photography bubble Oh yeah, there there are a few people who are like they still make that, <laughs> but uh, overall it's been really enthusiastic. There was a um, photography course at uh, my hometown, Kilgore, which is about twenty minutes from where I live now. Um, they had a photo program for a little over forty years. They had it for longer than that, but under the same teacher for forty years. Oh, Rufus Lovett, great photographer. Um, I learned from him. He was my mentor and. Uh, I was I was kind of hoping to have my foot in the door for that job, and then the college cut the program a, a few years ago. And um, but people would take those courses all the time. There would be everyone from just somebody bored at home, high, people out of high school, all the way to like doctors and dentists who would take the same course over and over again to use the darkroom. And they've been all out because it, it had analog all the way until the end. It had a darkroom all the way till the end, and. Uh, 
So there's like still these people who just a few years ago lost their darkroom access and now they're excited because there's those people and then a whole new generation who are discovering it in the meantime. And uh, so overall, it's been a really good um, reaction to it. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I'm sure it'll be nice to to kind of maintain that access for people. So oh, yeah. maybe maybe there's a gap, but uh, it would be great if you could kind of fill that fill that gap and keep it going Absolutely. for people there. Oh, yeah. And there's nowhere to even buy film unless you get lucky and find a few rolls at Walmart or Walgreens or something. Mm. So I'm excited. Outside of going to Dallas, which is basically a two, two and a half hour drive from here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so you said you said that you're primarily a portrait photographer. And huh. when when people think of portraits, often light and lighting is a is a key part of that. Um, oh yeah, we call this the lighting lounge, but it's kind of been interesting. What what does lighting mean to you? What is yeah, huh, yeah. That's that's a good question because I used to think um, as like artificial lighting and uh, natural lighting as different things, but the more I learn about it, the more I realize that like there's natural lighting and there's ways to control natural lighting. And then um, artificial lighting is just ways of getting that or adding to it that um, just aren't there. Like it's nighttime, but I want it to look like sun in the window, like I'm working on cinema or something. And uh, so the the principle is the same. Like I want this to be a window lit scene. You're going to try to light it in a similar manner. So you're just trying to... um, create the light by any means, whether it be the available light or, um, or with tools like, uh, strobes and stuff. So, uh, to me, it's just, um, it's, uh, really any act of photography is all, I mean, it's like, like they say, like photography means literally to write with light. So, so would you say that there's, there, there are no photog, no photographs without lighting? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the the light is the only thing that converts the silver or or triggers the electrons or whatever on sensors to create image data. So, um, yeah, I guess so. I, I think there is like literally no no light without the photo part of photography. <laughs> hmm. When I started thinking about it, I thought you know strobes in the studio, something like that, is is very obviously. I am lighting the scene, but oh, yeah. you know, a landscape photographer picking the time of day is also mm-hmm. choosing what light to use for that oh, picture. Yeah. yeah, and don't tell me that uh, they couldn't if they if like a landscape photographer couldn't drag out giant lights in the middle of the night to the video scene because I saw a, a producer uh, I forget his name but he's the uh, Cohen Brothers pro- producer. He did. He was talking about lighting No Country for Old Men. And uh, he's the one who had to acquire all the lights for there's a scene in a desert to shoot out at night. And he said they had these trucks with these giant cinema lights, like six foot tall lights. And they lit the entire thing with dozens of these. And uh, yeah, so he was lighting landscape with artificial lighting or the the cinematographer or or the lighting director, whoever is doing it. But he had he was the guy who had to go buy all of the, or rent all of those lights. And and the power to go with them too. That must have been yeah, a logistical exactly. thing. <laughs> oh yeah, you can imagine how hot those things get. 
Oh, those are massive, massive lights. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been on some film sets at night actually, and it just, oh, wow. when they when they switch those things on, it's like whoa. It's yeah. just like daylight, and then you see the film later, and it's like, it still looks like evening. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Even scenes that are so dark in movies, which they, they're they really good at doing these days, it feels like. Mm. <laughs> they they have so much lighting at play. Um, I also remember I was in Austin years ago, and they were doing the X Games there. Oh, and cool. they had, like, the, the half pipe set up downtown or something, and they had this big crane with this huge, huge bank of lights on it just over it, like... 50 feet in the air, a hundred feet in the air, something like that. It's like, well, get a little sunlight, you know, um, on a crane if you have the right budget. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, when I, when I look at your photos and stuff, uh, the, one of the things that kind of I, or a trend I've seen or in your videos is you often, you often like to shoot into the sun. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, even all the way back to college, they're like people are like, "Oh, this is a, a Jamie shot," <laughs> and uh, so uh, I, I just recently discovered the term for that. My French is terrible. It's like contre jour uh, into the into the light. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, that, that's exactly what I do." <laughs> okay, and um, yeah, uh, I I guess um, I'm not really sure exactly what started that. I remember being a kid. And, you know, you're a kid, this is before the internet, so you're, you're entertaining this TV and toys and whatever is in the world. Hmm. <laughs> and I'd be laying down and we had a ceiling fan in my room and had, um, I can't remember if it was a bare bulb in it or not, but I just remember looking at the light and I was bored and I hold my hand up and it's like, oh, that looks pretty cool. I didn't understand what I was seeing. It was like, wow, it's like dark and then you get the rim light and everything. And it's like, that looks really cool. So now like, um... I heard like, you know, like, oh, put the sun over your shoulder and, you know, get it, you know, nice and, you know, flat or or whatever um, the proper normal lighting would be. And I'm like, but it looks cooler if I like just go all the way around. (laughs) It's like, well, what if I just like block the sun out completely and then um, put a flash on the person's face so I can still see their face? Because I saw some magazine photos that did that, especially like... Um, that was, I think, a really big thing to like underexpose backgrounds and and flash people to uh, even them out. And so, like, you underexpose the background by like one or two stops, I think it is, and uh, and then you expose them properly, and you have this real dramatic. Uh, often, like those were shot on like uh, really saturated slide film at the time, so you would have these like just deeply saturated deep blue skies. And this real warmly lit person makes, and, uh, makes a, that probably made an impression on my teenage brain. Gives you a, gives you a nice contrast and really kind of makes the subject pop. Then with that, oh yeah, that lighting just to bring them up and yeah, focus focus all the attention on them. Oh yeah, mm. very dramatic. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, and so it was just kind of something you saw and were attracted to and and started doing. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like, and it, and it always looks unique. And I liked playing with the, like, if you get the sun coming out of like right behind or just out of someone's head or something, you get the rays coming out. And because a lot of times, especially before I could shoot like higher speeds with flash, mm-hmm. you'd have to close down the aperture a lot, and so you'd start getting sun stars, and there would be things like that. So that that would always be fun and uh, just unique looking, and not what you see with your eyes every day. 
but maybe a very dramatic uh, version of that. And I've always been the, I, I grew up, um, like I said, the BMX scene. Mm-hmm. There was a magazine called Freestyling, and um, it was uh, run by this guy named Bob Osborne. He is currently an amazing landscape photographer in Mount Montana, but he started uh, kind of around the same time as like uh, Grant Britton and stuff like that, the skate photographers. And he had a similar approach. He was a very good photographer. He would take these dramatic photos of people on ramps and he would add strobe to it and things like that. And his daughter did that. And they taught this young kid named Spike Jones how to how to take photos. And now he's like an Oscar winning director and stuff like that. But uh but yeah, so I learned from that magazine, number one, about like dramatic, interesting lighting. But also they treated everyone like these were all just kids in these magazines, like kids jumping their bikes off of, you know, 10 foot tall pieces of plywood. <laughs> and, uh, and then it's like, they make them sound like, like gods or Titans or something. And that's always kind of my approach. Like, how do I make this scene or thing feel epic or bigger than life or surreal? And so I think that's part of my background too. Trying to make things look larger than life. That's cool. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine trying to get, get your light set up and, uh, you know, the sun in the background and everything. And then you've got somebody on a skateboard, you know, yeah. flying around <laughs> and trying to find that right moment where they're looking their best and in the right pool oh, of yeah. light and, and everything. They would do that, especially like in the late eighties, like on Nikon F threes or F mm. I doubt they were on F fours. They were kind of small. So like you probably had like an F two or F three with a motor drive and, and you were pre-focusing a fisheye mm-hmm. lens and all this stuff and just hoping you got it right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's always, oh, yeah. it's always, um, I mean, I grew up, my, my father was a photographer and so I grew up around cameras and old film cameras and stuff, but just when I was a kid, oh. so I wasn't paying that much oh. attention to it. And, yeah. um, then, you know, when I was a teenager, digital was already out. So I, I kind of learned on digital and, and did that. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I see the, the effort that people went to, to get the shot, um, you know, (laughs) and the skill that was required and the patience and the, um, you know, just the sheer number of pictures that were taken, you know, the rolls of film that they were going through trying to get that one shot. Um, Oh yeah. It's it's impressive. Oh yeah. I, I saw, I watched a lot of, um, I keep forgetting the guy's name. Um, he he uh, died like kind of. He did Dennis Dwayne Dennis Dennis something like that. He he did these lighting videos in the eighties, and they had kind of floated around uh, around the internet, probably on YouTube too. I go blank on his name every time. <laughs> really great lighting guy. He died of cancer like two thousand five or something, but he was like super high energy guy, and um, he did these videos. I watched early on when I was learning how to do the strobe, like when a uh, strobist hit and stuff, if you remember that strobist mm-hmm. was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he would, they would do these commercial shoots and they would be like previewing it on eight by 10 Polaroid and then having to like do these crazy, like multiple flash additive things on a single sheet of film for slide photography. And Yeah. It's just, and there was no digital. There was nothing added in computer. Everything was like on a slider with a light or a piece of board or painted backdrop or whatever. 
it was incredible. That's cool. I mean, just the the creative problem solving for that sort of thing is so cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then and then waiting to see if it actually turned out the way you wanted it to or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and cool. uh, I definitely learned on film, but I learned a lot faster on digital. I definitely mm. like. I had I was kind of too poor to afford like tons of endless film and sending it off to labs to get it developed. So I was like very slow motion. And then I got my hands on a uh, Nikon D1 and it just, it, I, I couldn't stop shooting because I finally got a chance to just take photos and see what they did. So I, I like that about digital photography um, because there's a point where it can accelerate your learning, but also then you get to where, and this will be something we probably get to in a minute too, but um, you get to a point where like, oh, I don't trust my lighting. I need to test it on digital before I shoot it on film. Mm. And it's just so exhausting. And then it's like, <laughs> well, I just use a light meter now. It's so much easier. Yeah, uh, It's a little less, it's a little more having to have faith in your your numbers or whatever. But um, it's just a lot easier to get into a flow, not having to juggle the two cameras. And yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so you you mentioned when you were starting and when you were learning Flash, uh, how did how did you go about doing that? What was kind of your process of getting into using Flash? Um, I had um, had encounters with it briefly here and there, and I had wanted to do some basic off camera stuff, and I kind of like stopped taking photo classes before I got to that studio stuff, really. So it really hit the high gear when um, the Strobist website thing, uh, the Strobist blog really took off. I, I probably found that a year or so after it started. And I got super into that and it was very accessible. It was, he did everything to, like I already had a flash. I just had to buy the little brackets and a light stand and an umbrella or something. And I could start using it off camera. And I had a pretty good camera to, I mean, a pretty good flash to use off camera too. So it, it was just fun uh, for that to, he would post a, a, an assignment or a tutorial. I'm like, I can go out and try that. And it, even if it didn't work out, I could learn something. And uh, I would just start practicing it on people a little bit at a time. And I think just before that, probably just before I found that website, I had started using Phil Flash on camera but I was already bouncing it because I realized like direct is a little too, too flat, too harsh. But if I, if I point it up or point it at a wall, I get a more pleasing image. I just didn't completely understand why. And uh, that, that website taught me a lot of the why. And uh, that, that really is what um, just got the ball rolling. And, uh, with digital too, it there was no because I grew up with a oh no what if I waste a roll of film mm. here, and now I'm like well I've got like a thousand photos I'll just you know I might waste an hour, <laughs> but at least I'll learn something and not be broke at the end of that. Yeah, and you and you've and, got the the instant um, learning effect when you're you're looking yeah. you take a picture and you go okay what does that look like change it what yeah. does that do 
And then you yeah, can why kind of, is my background like that? Why are there black bars on the photo when I go too fast? <laughs> and just things like that that you you can discover right away because you get a roll of film, you kind of have to do an autopsy on it. <laughs> yeah, and you have to, you have to really happen? pay attention and take good notes and that sort of thing when yeah. I'm horrible at that. So I'm really happy yeah, that too. I was able to learn on digital because <laughs> it's like oh, I, yeah. when I first started shooting film, I would write down every roll, which – which, uh, exp- mm-hmm. you know, f-stop and shutter speed I used on which camera on which shot for which role. And uh, I got an eight by 10. Uh, I was like, and I got like a little, one of those memo books. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be every shot. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not for me. <laughs> well, as long as you know what you need to develop it at, then that's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I, if I shoot something at a weird speed or, or do something with it, I'll like stick a piece of tape on it or I'll, I'll write on the canister or depending on what type of film it is. And then I'll make that note, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> well, and I mean, you get good results, so. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess it works for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody's got to find, find out what works for them. And oh, yeah, know. absolutely. As you say, juggling cameras and pins and notebooks and all kinds of stuff is you gotta, gotta oh, draw yeah. the line somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, some people, I think, probably, that's another thing I, I think people should know about using Flash, just like photography and a bunch of other things. There's no, like, right or wrong way. Like, you can get, you know, if you can get the same result two or three different ways, none of them are wrong. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so so what what was then the the process of... You know, you, you had your flash, you were, you were doing the strobist assignments, and mm-hmm. um, I guess at some point you probably, I know I know now you use bigger strobes, maybe you, you upgraded yeah. at some point, or uh, oh, yeah. did multiple, multiple flashes, or what was kind of, what was kind of the journey of, of doing that it, stuff? It really helped me that I um, did enroll in one of those classes, at, or some of those classes at Cure College, learn the studio stuff like because uh rufus lovett the the instructor there really great all-around photographer his father was a campus photographer at a university in alabama for several years so he grew up around it so he just has a very broad understanding of photography and uh, it was very helpful to know everything from like classic portrait studio stuff all the way to experimental work and uh, everything in between and so I took some portrait photography classes and uh, you get to, it makes you have to learn like what are the, like loop and loop shadows and, and um, I'm going blank on the. You got Rembrandt light and Rembrandt. Thank you. Paramount light. <laughs> like, yeah. Rembrandt loop, short, long or short, broad lighting, uh, rim lighting, backlighting, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, just, um, you learn all the different shadows and then you, because I tell people, it's like at first when you're looking through the viewfinder and you see, like, let's say you're in a studio with modeling lights on the strobes and you see, see it, it's just total chaos. And, and like, you, you don't discern anything. And I tell people, it's like, just start with the nose shadow. The, the nose shadow will tell you so much. And that's one of the things like, I wish people uh, I think I think people should learn with a continuous light or some kind of continuous light or a modeling light because then you can see by moving it around the shadow. I tell people it's like the shadows on the nose are kind of like a compass 
and I tell you a lot. It's like you like if you can make that shadow do what you want, a lot of the other lighting is going to follow. Mm-hmm. Like your every every other thing's going to look close to right, and you just start recognizing a little bit more at a time. And you're like, okay, well, why is the background too dark or too light? It's like, well, then work on that next. And people expect um, expect to arrive at something um, detailed immediately, but also discount uh, the the step the quality of the steps because once you learn how to get light with one light or get good lighting with one light, then that's still a major. A tool in your arsenal and you learn how to bounce the light into the shadows or how to add another light or uh, and a lot of people will get caught i think there was um it was on negative positives and kukovica was talking about can people get uh gear acquisition syndrome for for technique yeah it's like yes absolutely oh, yeah. you can you can you can go so so deep into lighting technique and that's what the part I think that really scares people when they are learning it because they see all the fractions, all the all the potential math, mm-hmm. and people is like, oh, the inverse square law and six point light, and <laughs> just like uh, it's, you've got to have your ratios worked out. It's like I don't I don't do most of that. I like I get the rough idea. I know I want my shadows to be a, a little bit darker than my highlights, but not completely darker and then you just kind of like uh learn rough ratios like uh, if you have like two or three of the same light and it's like well this one's all the way up this one's halfway down uh and there you go there's a ratio mm-hmm. you don't have to know the ratio that is you just know that my shadow is here <laughs> my my highlight is here and so when you're doing digital you're shooting that and you can see it pretty much and you don't think about it as much, but when you're using a light meter, you hold it up to the face, you point the the thing at the strobe, and it reads f11, and you go to the shadow side, and it reads f4 or f5.6. You know what it's going to look like after mm. you have practiced it a few times, so you don't need to keep shooting the digital photo over and over again because you know it's like you can pop the flash a few times in a in a field when you don't have the when you don't have the modeling light effectively mm. because the sun's too bright, you can pop the flash and see like, okay, that's covering roughly the area I want to cover. So that should be fine. Mm. I don't think there's any, there's no, no weird shadows that should show up. I don't see any obvious shadows when I've flashed a few times. And so I can just go out with having worked my way through some of the nuances of the, of the technique and now I can just go out with a film camera and a light meter and not be so worried. So like you got to walk before you run, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so, people forget that. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you're able to do that because you've kind of built up this library in your head of yeah. knowing, okay, if my light meter is telling me the shadow is F4 and my, my main light is F11, then you have a, you have kind of an idea of what that's going to look like. Oh, and yeah. that's and that's come through shooting lots of rolls and uh, doing 104 yep. photo shoots in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Stuff uh, like that. It's yeah. like there's no substitute for doing the work sometimes. But you don't have to like necessarily do high art. You can do pictures of a dummy a hundred times as long as you're paying attention to what this light is and what the other light is. 
and you're paying attention to the effects those changes have and and it should look just like that on a person or a building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the, the light is light. Okay. So um, you, you realize, like I tell people, it's like, oh, why do they see the little dial on a light? It's like, oh, it's fractions. It's like, no, that's just like you're going to shoot everything, like full power, half power, quarter power. That's going to be almost everything. <laughs> yeah. Or half power, quarter power, sixteenth power. It's going to work like that. You're basically going to have high, medium, low. Yeah. And that's really like no one's gonna go. It's like, oh, this one's seventy-seven, and that one's fifty-five. Or you're a terrible photographer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe you can. Uh, we were talking about light meters uh, and flash meters uh, a show or two ago, and oh, yeah. from the way I understand it, the you know, if I've got a light meter in front of my face and I you know mm-hmm. point it at the camera and, and get a reading, so that's measuring the light that's falling on the meter. And that's telling the meter F11, and that's Mm going to make a gray card gray, if I understand that right. Which which means that a light, you know, I'm a white dude, so um, light skin is going to be a good exposure. Um, If I if I did the same exposure on a black cat, then I'd be in trouble. Yeah, It, it would be. It would in this case, reading off of the light meter, the black cat. Actually, it might work for okay for the black cat because it would make the black the black cat would be black. I just don't know if the black cat would be too black. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's, that's the one that like I am not sure about how absorbent cat fur is <laughs> versus like velvet or mm. or a sheet of something. Um, that's where like if you were doing a spot meter, mm. the spot meter would definitely make. Uh, your your skin gray so if you're doing a spot meter you might want to go up a notch um, and then uh, I tell people it's like meters only read gray yeah and it's just the, the and so like there's a great experiment and this is another thing that it's great to learn with the digital camera take a picture of a wall a white wall and then shoot it in the middle of the meter reading and then shoot one stop over and one stop under and you'll see that the the difference, like the meter reading of a pure white wall will be gray. You go one over, it'll be more white. Go one under, it'll be darker gray. Or it'll be gray, I mean. Um, yeah, darker gray. You do that with a black, a piece of black, pure black, it'll um it'll take the pure black, it'll be gray, it'll be light gray, or it'll be black when you go mm. under. Um and then if you put half and half, the black and the gray, it'll be properly exposed. Okay. Because it's splitting a difference. It's telling the meter, this is black, this is white, go in the middle. Yeah. So yeah. you get essentially a black and white photo. Um, and that, that little exercise was so handy in, in understanding how light meters work. And for when you go out and things like snow and everything is white... It's like, well, that's why you open up a little bit, because if you want that to be gray, then sure, shoot with the, what the reflective meter says. Um, but if you want it to be white, uh, then just open up a little bit, and and kind of you'll get you'll get what you want. Mm-hmm. And the zones are scary too, but they're so useful to learn. But you don't have to know them in extreme detail. You just know the key elements and know that. If I go a little bit longer on that exposure or a little bit brighter or whatever, let in more light, 
it'll possibly make this black thing darker or this white thing lighter, um, depending on depending on what uh, what you need from it. But a lot of it's just going out there and doing some work, playing with it, and learning some simple exercises, and understanding that you only have to learn a piece at a time. Uh, you don't have to learn it all at once, and there aren't going to be any quizzes on it. And even <laughs> if you're in a class, you're not going to have the quiz on everything at the same time. Hmm. Like, no, I don't think there's any class that's going to make you know every piece of lighting, except for maybe like a comprehensive exam or something at the very end. And by oh. then, you spend a whole semester working on it. Yeah, and I mean, I think most people are, probably the people listening to this are doing it as a hobby and are just trying it yeah. out. So it's, uh, you know, if you like yeah. it, you're doing good. So Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and just about anyone, if they have the cheapest, oldest digital camera available that has some manual settings, can do the black and white thing. Yeah. And they, they understand, oh, okay, that's how it works. And then they know what the meter says. And you can kind of go from there. But even with spot uh, I mean, not spot me, even with uh, slide film, mm-hmm. I will, I I should do a lot more spot metering, but I'll just kind of like, it's close enough. <laughs> and uh, it's okay if I like, because I, I, I tell people, it's like pretty much on lighting, I like to take, like when I take a new film out, like the Lomo Chrome uh, 92 stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's nice in like this type of lighting. I'm like, let me just point it at the sun and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and then um the yeah. first roll just to kind of see what it does yeah exactly yeah. it's like uh it's like what do i i i would joke when i'd get a new digital camera it's like okay let's shoot it at twelve thousand eight hundred in total darkness let's see what happens <laughs> yeah uh yeah and just like uh i ferrania p30 famously contrasty i made a post about this recently it's like oh shoot evenly lit scenes you mean like directly into the sun where the person's completely <laughs> silhouetted <laughs> yeah. that's it's pretty even. I mean, there's the sun yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you when you make it work, though, you kind of understand how far can you push one way, how far mm-hmm. can you push the other way, and you find out that that film has a really interesting response and flexibility. It's just you have to understand you might lose a few shots doing that, but when you hit, it's going to hit in a very unique way. Yeah, you know, and each each one's going to do different things in different circumstances, and then you can figure out what what the look is that you're going for, and what what you oh, yeah. like from it. Definitely. Yeah, and when, uh, and and so with as with the studio lighting thing, I I did it, and I was like, okay, I fired all the flashes, the the picture's evenly lit, all right, success. And then somebody's like, oh, the dark background's too bright, the pose is bad, the you know, this is very flat lighting, and I was like. Okay. And so I didn't fix all the problems the next time I went out. I had to just keep shooting photos. But now, 10 years later, I can get a headshot from empty studio with bags of equipment. And and within 30 minutes, I can be breaking down with everything in the bag and technically pretty decent headshots completed. Cool. It, it just it goes that fast. <laughs> nice. Just because you you know where you're where you're putting the stuff, what you're going for. Yeah, how much? It. How much of it uh-huh. is a knowing like knowing what your your end goal is beforehand? Um, sometimes, like if you have like if you want to do headshots, then you have kind of let's say you have something of a of a of a goal. 
it's like, well, then you should probably learn some basic uh, lighting styles and posing styles. And so that gives you something kind of, it's like, well, I want it to be this formal portrait uh, with kind of with this type of posing. And you look up and it's like, that's basically Greek posing. Do a little quick reading on that. It's like slant the shoulders, turn the head this way or that way, depending on if it's a woman or a man or whatever. And tilt the head so that the eye line isn't level. And and then you just kind of try to get as close as that as you can every time. And sometimes you'll get a great picture, except for the eye line will be straight. Mm-hmm. Or the shoulders will be in the wrong direction. It's like, okay, next time, tilt the shoulders. And the good thing is most people won't care if you break like one small rule. Uh, and and then you can just keep learning. So it's not the end of the world. That's the other thing. It's like it's not the end of the world if you have like maybe some minor miss in there along the way, even for paid things. Now, if you want to go like, um, got a, a thing I have to close. Okay. <laughs> but if you got like a big assignment, that's where you want to have done all the fiddling in a studio for like a big publication because it just helps to know your stuff then. But you're probably not going to get the big assignment right away. And that's why you want to like just take friends and strangers every opportunity you have and be like, I'm going to take some pictures of you. Some of them will suck, but some of them won't. And you'll probably like more of them than I do. So here you go. Yeah. Um, that's a, yeah. that's a cool segue. Cause um, that's kind of one of the other things that I wanted to talk with you about. Cause you, you work with a lot of, of models or, or people mm-hmm. who, who want to be photographed um, some yeah. more or less professional, I guess. And, yeah. um, and that's, that's also a scary thing for, for people. And for me, you know, how do you get the first person yeah. in front of your camera? And it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but will you sit here and let me experiment? So, yeah, um, absolutely. And, um, if you have a right rapport with like friends and stuff, that can be great. Like just still people that, you know, but sometimes I've found that some friends may not mean to, but they may be a little too casual and you mm. may not be able to, make them do enough or make them behave enough. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of times it is better to do strangers or semi strangers um, or just people like it's so easy when you're a student because you can just find someone in class. Like I'm a student. Um, and if you're in a photo class, everyone's going to have to do it anyway. Yeah. But even if you're not in a photo class, even if you just like, we share a space and I haven't stabbed you yet. It's a, <laughs> we're off to a good start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so, uh, would you like to meet in this very public place where I can take some portfolio pictures of you and hopefully you'll get a couple pictures you like and I'll learn something. And, um, I think, I think it's, it's easier to do work with like casual strangers like that. And then it also helps how you approach, like, um, you don't want to go up and say, I'm, you don't want to open it. Like I'm not a serial killer, (laughs) but also you want to give things to assure them that like, I'm not a serial killer without mm. saying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to be, um, it's like, I just direct about what your purpose is. It's like, I want to take some portraits. I'm trying to learn lighting and build a portfolio. You have a great look. I think it'd be awesome. If you, if you see someone like uh, walking around or in pictures and it's like, that is a really cool outfit. I would love to photograph it. It would look great. Uh, and I'll give you the pictures to use online or whatever, as long as you credit me. Most people are going to say, okay, and you just tell them, it's like, uh, assure them, it's like, if you have, if you have mutual friends, like mutual friends are, are 
treasures because yeah. then you can be like, I know so-and-so and you can ask them about me. Mm-hmm. So they'll go and ask. And I've had people who are like, oh, this guy's a creep. But then they'll go and they'll look at the work or ask someone. And then the person thankfully will say, like, oh, yeah, he's cool. Uh, I like the worker. They're nice. Uh, you should do it. Uh, and, and it works out and they get excited. And uh, I've worked with people like that for several projects after, even after them being maybe skeptical initially. And the main thing is just be upfront. Don't be obviously too nervous. Like you can be nervous, but just don't try to over or under explain things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just say, I want to take some photos. You, you have a cool look. And then most importantly of all is obviously don't be a creep when you do get to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people do get the idea. It's like, oh, it's a dating thing. You must date all these models. Like, no, no, I don't. No. I don't do anything close to that. I, I, I'm like, this is professional and I'll let them know it. Um, and, it's like, and that's just, I guess that's just basic behavior. But um I think things like that. And then also uh, schedule your first sessions for very public places, mm-hmm. even if they're less exciting. Like I, there's a coffee shop at my, uh, at, at both my like, cities I shoot at most. And I'm like, everyone at this age goes to these coffee shops and they're both in downtown areas. Lots of people are around, but there's some cool photos. It's like, you want to meet here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's in public. It's not the side of a road in a ditch. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> and they probably uh, know it too then. So they yeah, know where yeah, it is and they've and all probably been there. Yeah. So uh so it's just like saying things like without saying it, you're saying, I want to meet you in public around other people, so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to kidnap you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it, it it's helpful to be able to say that, uh, to say things and it's like I know so and so, ask them mm-hmm. and then it's cool if you don't have time, give them an out. Yeah. And it's like, if it's okay if you don't have time, but mm. if you do, I think the pictures look great. Yeah. No, that's cool advice. That. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, yeah. Uh, yeah. do you also approach people like on the street? If you see someone with a cool outfit and say like, um, I don't do a whole lot of that, but also there aren't many people on a street in East Texas. <laughs> okay. But, um, when it was, when it's easier, like in a coffee shop or, um, when I was on campus and stuff, mm. I would sometimes do that. And it usually just like lead off something flattering, but not demeaning. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yo, your hair is like super cool. Could I ever take pictures of that? Mm. Just brief, um, very much uh, a thing, like make it known that it's about the photos or whatever right off the bat. And it's not like, uh, oh, you're hot. You know, yeah. or you look great. And it's like, you can say you look great, but you have to be a little careful sometimes if, depending on who you are and who they are. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but if you say, oh, your hair is so cool, or that outfit is mm-hmm. awesome, uh, it kind of lets them know, it's like, okay, they're not thinking sketchy things. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, that's a cool outfit. Well, and I think, and, I um, think the people who, who dress extravagantly or have a, have a cool hairdo or something that's, that's not an accident. So they also appreciate exactly. if somebody notices like, Oh yeah, you know, I exactly. spent four hours doing my hair yesterday. So thanks for noticing. Yeah, I spent a hundred bucks to get this dye and cut. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. I do want a picture of it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and it's cool. like, and then you follow it up with like, I have this public place, like not necessarily. Like, let's go to this coffee shop. It's mm. got some cool walls there. Uh, connect with me on Instagram. 
And uh, I have business cards too. That's real handy for that. Yeah. Hand them a business card uh, and then it get, lets them go home, chew on it a little bit. It's like, I would like the photo of my $100 die job. Mm. <laughs> and then they look me up on Instagram. It's like, oh, these are cool photos. I want one. Yeah. And, um, and then if they're really skeptical, they can go and ask people tagged in that. It's like, is this person okay? But most of the time they're going to be like, yeah, let's meet at the coffee shop and take photos. And then the rest is just up to being a decent person and getting a few photos and just giving them some photos, even if they're not the greatest in the world. Because mm. I've heard of a lot of people who will do a photo shoot and a photographer doesn't like the photos and they never see the mm. photos. It's like, well, they gave their time. Your one bad photo is not going to run your career. Yeah. Like, I've had so many people post so many bad photos I've taken. <laughs> But that's why I go out and I take new photos and put yeah. more out there. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, let's go back to the the taking of the photos. So if you're you know you're at you're at your coffee shop or you're there with your person and um, and you decide okay I want to I want to add some let's just say you don't want to add any artificial light and you're out on the streets yeah. and I don't know maybe it's four o'clock in the afternoon or something you've got lots yeah. of sunlight. What are you what are you looking for as as places or situations that would give you a good light? Uh in a coffee shop I would look windows, tables by windows. Um that would definitely be my first thing. It's like is there a good window somewhere with a table next to it? If that fails, then I start looking at I, I definitely chase the light and like is this light, am I going to be able to just completely backlight someone? There's another reason I, I did a lot of backlighting because I don't always get to choose the best light. Mm. There's not many, like, there's not a ton of amazing architecture here. And there's not a ton of, like, amazing landscapes. Um, East Texas is very naughty with a K. Um, like, the, the woods are very tangled. There's very hilly, so the trees cover a lot of the horizon line. So you, you have a very undefined landscape and a lot of the more classic nice buildings have been leveled for boxes. Mm. So you have to get a little more creative. So I find light and it's like I find light in a direction that works or I find the shadow side of something where the light is just kind of flat and soft, which is worked fine for someone like Richard Avedon, by the way. Uh, the His American West photos were some of the most simply lit things ever, but they're amazing. But uh, find some find light that will work as a person. And then if it's not an interesting location or a window or something like that, then I look for texture and shape, like geometry, color. Uh, are there interesting lines? Can I, is there like a window that has been like filled with concrete or plaster or something and painted? Can I create a frame for someone? Is there a line uh, either painted or physical that uh, kind of they can, I, I try to place them in, a shape from there, I guess, um, or put them. Uh, and then I'll also think what's a scenario here. Like uh, sometimes it'll be like, uh, I want to make someone look awesome or something like that. Like look like a badass or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll get down low. It's going to be a power shot. The lights behind you. So it's going to be real an epic power shot. And then you're walking up on the curb on the street and you look down at me and and like I'm the worst person in the world, and like, this isn't the actual scenario I wanted to pick. But I'm like I'm trying to give them direction. It's like, mm. and, and you look at me, it's like oh, I'm scum. I'm leaving you, <laughs> and that gives them the idea. It's like that's the expression you want, and they look mm. at me like, 
almost like disgust or just total victory or something like that over you. And they kind of lift up the shoulders a bit and, and then you get this real confident step and, you know, so there's different scenarios like that you can play out. And a lot of it's just like what works and then listening to feedback too. And cause some po- sometimes people like photos that you don't like and it helps to examine why, cause you're thinking about, Oh, I just really messed up the lighting on that one. But why did they like it? Is it because you took an angle they never thought would look good? You took something that accentuates something they really enjoy about themselves or made them feel like, oh, I have this side of me that no one ever pays attention to, but this made me feel like that was there. So just uh, you add a little bit at a time and you don't start off finished. You just build from your crappy like oh it's lit but it's posed poorly and the lighting is really flat (laughs) and then you you build from there to up and then um yeah and you Mm -hmm. get good photos along the way too so yeah that's cool and i mean the the whole the whole thing when you're taking a picture of a person all the pieces have to support each other you know if you've got if you've got epic lighting but you've got kind of a I don't know, a boring pose or a demure pose, then the yeah. epic lighting is is kind of working against you in that that way. Or definitely all the all the pieces have to kind of go together. Um, oh yeah. And uh, and also like you want to find things that are that go are cohesive with the idea. If you want this someone to look like a badass, it's hard to do it if they're like in um in a nineteen fifties uh rural, you know, country dress or something like that yeah <laughs> or, or like an 1850s dress or something so you know mm. like okay how's how do i make this look like a certain attitude or, or like a certain look or you know the the classic lampshade or lamp post growing out of someone's head mm. it's like oh i missed that this time like i have i have a lamp post coming out of someone's head you just kind of learn to look for it over time. Mm. And that's where having assistance would be so nice. I have a really hard time keeping assistance, but when it, I have them, they're like, Oh, uh, this thing is, is, is sticking out. This tag mm. is sticking out and it, it really helps to have other eyes, but you get to where you are looking at the shot and then you look through the viewfinder. And part of it too, is learning to look through the viewfinder. Cause mm-hmm. I tell people, it's like, um, I joke that when, normal people see things they see like floating eyes and then a bunch of blurs because their recognition seems to miss a lot of things Mm. but when you look through a viewfinder of a camera for the first time you may not even be looking properly at the center of the of the viewfinder Mm. and uh and so you kind of have this vague idea of what's on the edges and it helps to kind of like at first it's a it's a lot of hard work to look at the edges and think about what's there or to think of your horizon or upright lines or straight, but it becomes second nature the more you do it. Like you only have to try really hard to do that a couple of times before it just kind of sticks. And then when you pull the camera up, it's straight ninety five percent of the time. Mm. Building and, uh, building and the then, muscle memory. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the memory will come mm. through a lot less repetition than you think, and uh, occasionally it'll slip. But overall. Like I took some, um, I took a few photos. I don't remember if it was a swimming pool or something 
recently and I was worried like, oh no, did I get those uprights right? I didn't even pay attention to it. Mm. And I look and everything was just perfect. I'm like, nice. oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it sunk in. Yeah. When when you are looking through the viewfinder and I find when I'm when I'm watching a you know a subject or a model in front of my camera, you kind of you get a feeling like there's going to be a really good look coming up here in a couple of seconds, or there's going to be, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's, there's some kind of um, preemptive uh, foresight before you actually pull the oh, trigger yeah. um, or, or take the picture. Um, I don't, I don't even know if, if you can learn that or, or work on that, or if it's just something that you develop, but um, yeah. what, what do you think about that? Um, I, I would agree that there, there's sometimes like you, you notice common reactions in people or common movements, or, uh, it's like usually when somebody does this or that, uh, it'll look cool. And I've actually, one of the things I started doing is like, I'll, like if I'm posing someone, it's just not working. Like I can't get it right. It's like, okay, relax for a second. I'm going to look at something mm. and they always slump down mm. or they do slouch. I'm like, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's your pose. It's like that. Like I try to stop for a moment. Like stop with. Like I, I, I turn off the photo almost, <laughs> mm. and then they go into this fully relaxed position. And then also in that moment, you're telling them, "This is what I want. Mm. This is perfect." Because a lot of times I find that the way people naturally relax is good, mm. is exactly what you want. Or all you have to do is like, okay, that's perfect. Now turn your head this mm. way. Or that way, and uh, or just tilt your head a little bit and open your mouth slightly so it looks relaxed. Hmm. And uh, so I modify poses a lot, is what I say. And um, and it's the same thing for like. Usually, somebody will will do something, and I know in the past this has happened. Or if I tell them to look, it's like, oh, that's cool. If they look this way, I was like, now look this way, and I just mm-hmm. know it's gonna look right. And they're like. Uh, and then if it's ever one of those, like, twist your body one way, look the other way, I'm like, trust me, it's it, it feels weird, but it looks really cool. Yeah. And um, it's fun when you can show them on digital. It's like you can you can show them the back of the camera and it's like, see, it, it does look cool. But I also find that that gets real disruptive, mm-hmm. which is another reason I really like film. You just have to, like, take the photo. And it's like, and, and it makes you better at assuring people, too. It's like, mm-hmm. that looks awesome. Yeah. And they have to take your word for it. And uh, you're, if you sound excited, then, you know, they're going to be like, okay, I'm a, I guess that looks really cool. Yeah. But uh, if you had to stop and show them every time, you can't get into a flow. Yeah. And, uh, and you lose confidence or you just, uh, and then sometimes they just don't see it when it's the size of a small stamp mm. or something like that. And, and then they get real down on themselves. Mm. And then you just got somebody who's feeling uncomfortable and it's just really difficult to work with. So film is really nice for just getting into the flow of things. But uh, I find that it's best to just uh, do do a lot, like take pictures all you can. Don't overpressure it. Um, don't, uh, don't think you have to be a prize winner in the first roll or shoot or something. It's just like, just go and take photos and you'll probably get more than you like. And really you only need one to five good photos out of a whole shoot whether you shoot 5,000 digital or a roll of film. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a great uh, meme of, uh, I think, uh, 
a middle format, you know, 120 roll yeah. with uh, 12 shots, you know, one amazing. Then the 36 is uh, 36 yep. shots, one amazing. And then the the, the <laughs> digital card with like 10,000 shots and one is amazing. Yeah, mm. exactly. Uh, you wind up kind of the same place no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to have the 5,000 shots when you're, when you're learning because sometimes when you're learning, it does take you a few more tries to get something amazing. But even after you've done it a million times, you're really, I, like in a year, you're going to maybe share one of those still. Mm, yeah. So let's, um, I'm, I'm interested in when you are adding your fill flash, you're, you, you know, mm-hmm. on location you, in the woods or wherever you, you've decided to go and you, you're going to go and do a flash image and yeah. whether it's backlit or not, um, what is kind of your, um, your internal monologue when you're setting that up and what are you thinking or what are you looking for? How do you balance Um, those exposures? Kind of walk me through that. Yeah, I do try to find, uh, let's say like imagine in the woods, because I've done this a few times where I go out and it's like a really bad time of day to shoot. I'm like, Mm. oh no, I'm not seeing anything. So I'm like, okay, like is there cool light going through trees? Is there is there cool light falling somewhere? Is there an interesting big tree? Um, and then if that all fit or like, uh, if that all fills, it's like, okay, is there open shade? It's just like when I go out to like, I did the coffee shop scenario. It's like, okay, is there open shade? And then it's like, okay, if there's open shade and I have a flash then I can point the flash in the general direction where the sun is. And then kind of like, okay, now there's sun that's falling on their face with this, open shade background and I'm like okay then I go into the scenario and it's like okay what's the scenario here what's a pose uh, if is this uh, going for um, depends on what I've planned to like uh, sometimes there's more specific ideas like you get an idea it's like oh you're um, you're a fairy princess in the woods or or you're a hunter or you know uh, you're a feral child who's escaped society. (laughs) So there's, there's definitely factors on what you're trying to convey emotionally or literally. But uh, if it's just in general too, you're just kind of trying, it's like, what looks interesting? What is intriguing? Um, How can I do that? It's like low angles, high angles. And that's a lot of times where like, sometimes I'll panic. I'm like, the light falling on them is not great. But what if I just get really low put the sun right behind their head, what does it look like then? And it looks like I'm dying in the woods, you know, <laughs> and then this person, this angel comes up to me <laughs> mm. and, it, and it invokes that feeling. And that may not be the literal scenario I'm trying to portray, but I'm trying to capture the essence of that moment of, of rescue or of a strange encountering a strange being or a strange feeling um, or just something big and uh for lack of a better word cinematic mm. and vague so it's like people will want to look and it's like what's going on here yeah, um, and every, everybody will interpret the image differently too based on yeah on their own their own you know filters um i'm, oh, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna pull up one of your images which kind of fits well oh, to yeah. what you were just describing oh, yeah. here so this is this is for the people listening this is one uh shot it's a model wearing kind of a white white shirt and she's got kind of a black 
corsety thing yeah. and uh, some kind of brown pants and it's in the woods and the, the trees are kind of framing her and the, the sun is clearly directly behind her head or behind her neck yeah. and it's giving this yep. lovely glow to her hair and uh, and then you, you've got something you know lighting her from the front because mm-hmm. she's, she's not a silhouette so yeah. I'm guessing that's one yeah. of your strobes yep no, on this one it is uh, it so that's one of those situations where I'm like, I have somebody who's dressed like they're not in the woods for sure. Like people in the woods don't really wear slacks and a corset. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's like, okay, so there's already something interesting going on here. This mm-hmm. is a juxtaposition of something unusual. But also uh, this person is dressed in a way that suggests there may be, they're not a business person there. Mm-hmm. And then, so uh, it's like, I don't have to get too specific about what that is. She's like the ferry manager or, you know, or like the, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. It's just a, it becomes more like a, uh, like it's just an emotional reaction. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. But, um, so I had the flash and I didn't want to just like have, it's like, Oh, this is a flash. And we're in the woods. Uh, it, I was like, okay, well, I got really low. And I was actually in um, a ditch, basically. So okay. I was really low. And this is a wide-angle lens. It's like a 40-millimeter mm. Hasselblad lens. It's just like, I think, something like 28 millimeters or something equivalent. Something like that, yeah. And, and she's kind of taller and lankier, so she, you can get real close to models like that. And they look very long which is why tall, lanky people are so popular to photograph because mm-hmm. you can just get really in close and it looks really interesting in photos. So um, I, we had tried variations on this pose. And and that's the other thing. It's like not every shot is going to be a keeper. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to build up to the one that works. Sometimes it's your test shot. Sometimes it's your last shot. And, and sometimes it's the, why don't we try this instead? Mm-hmm. So like I was getting... I would crouch down like, okay, the sun's behind her. This is unusual. So the tree coverage in the sky looks a little more interesting when I point up more. Mm. It makes the trees kind of arch into the photo, which creates kind of geog- geometry and and, and uh, shapes and stuff like that. And then um, I have her and I had her um, trying to remember exactly about this, like, Okay, now kick your leg out a little bit. Try to find a dynamic pose. And sometimes people will just fix their hair mm. trying to find a pose. And she does some modeling, so she'll she'll move around and stuff like that. But sometimes you have people who do zero modeling. Mm. I'm like, okay, kick out your, your leg. And it's like, oh, I need to fix my hair. And they'll put their arms up and they'll mm. fix their hair. I'm like, there you go. Just yeah. keep that. Just <laughs> yeah. And so that may have been what she did there. It's like, okay, I kind of like that. And it looks almost like... Um, in my head, it's like, okay, this person is like an Indiana Jones type or mm. they're investigating something and they're like in the epic woods scene in the movie and they're kind of like adjusting their hair before like while thinking about something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, of course, without a flash, she, she's silhouetted with the sun there. Yeah. And she has very, very light hair. Uh, and it wasn't, I don't think she had any color in it at the time. I don't completely remember but uh so her hair is very very fair so i'm like oh that's gonna glow Mm. with the light behind it so um, like normally 
in hindsight, I might have turned light a little more where there's the shadows are a little stronger, but because mm. I don't like to necessarily look like, oh, I've got a strobe in the woods. Mm. Uh, but uh, also, if you you can you can do this multiple ways where it looks like it's just oh, that's just the natural reflected light from the area that makes your face look more visible. Or you can, um, this was also like something that if I had shot it at like six o'clock at night, the sun would have been a bit lower, but uh, the sky would have been, if I shot it one five hundredth of a second, the sky would have been a lot darker. Yeah. And this was probably, I probably shot this at one five hundredth of a second. And so that tells you how bright it was out there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then yeah, and so you're you're using the Hasselblad to um yeah with the leaf shutter to to get as much yep. of the ambient down as you can. Oh yeah, and that's one of the first things. Like I have been a detail fiend. Like I have liked uh, larger negatives and mm. more more detail and resolution and stuff, which uh, I think maxed out when I shot some digital medium format. I'm like, okay, I got my fill of that. <laughs> but I do like it, and that's how I discovered that. But then I also discovered, like, oh, when you shoot things like the Hasselblad with a leaf shutter, mm. you don't max out at 190th or 125th of a second or whatever. Yeah. You can really get that dramatic, underexposed background look mm. that I grew up loving so much. And so, um, yeah. So this is um, this is kind of that epic magazine shot you were talking about of you know yep. backlighting and then the the strobe oh, yeah. filling it in. Yeah, so exactly. How would, so how would yeah. you meter that? Uh, metered um, at this point. I mean, normally I could just use my phone meter and it's like, mm. okay, it's bright uh, and and and, <laughs> I, and, uh, and one five hundred of a second at f eight or f eleven would get at least not a completely blown out background. Mm-hmm. Because it was so bright, but then um, I didn't do any kind of traditional metering on her, because I knew she would be just straight up silhouetted at this mm. point, because it was so bright. So I just kind of like put the flash forty five degrees slightly up angle, because that's the starting point for just about any portrait lighting. That's just like if you want it to look more dramatic, you push it a little more to a side. Mm. You want it to look more plain or whatever, you push it a little more centered. Uh, in most cases, so I'm like, I knew I wanted 45 degrees up and down, pointed down a little bit, um, and I moved it probably just a little bit more to make it not so obviously a flash. And mm. I probably it, doing it again, I would have moved it a bit more, like I said, to get a stronger shadow side mm-hmm. to look maybe like the sun had somehow wrapped around a little bit to get it to make it look maybe more natural, but maybe not. <laughs> mm. But um, to get a little bit a different ratio, I guess you could say, between the lights and shadows. Um, but um, I uh, just then uh, had the light meter. And here's one thing with, with shooting um, strobe and metering it in really bright light is that the sunlight can influence your light meter. It's bright enough oh, that okay. it can cause an error in your reading you might read f8 but that f8 might be all sunlight okay um so i will either pull the dome into the like it's a retractable dome so i'll either do that or i'll cup my hand or even depending on where the light is uh not on this case but 
you you're, you see your shadow cast on a person. Mm. So you just hold your meter in the shadow, and you know it's not getting sunlight. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. And that's so you good. have to make sure what you're reading is truly yeah. the meter. And so uh, I wanted probably f eight. I usually shoot a lot at f eight. Um, I'll occasionally go f eleven, but I usually won't go any more like f sixteen mm-hmm. or whatever unless I specifically want sun stars because mm-hmm. uh, I just I don't want to necessarily do everything wide open. Mm. I try to avoid that, especially now because it just got so oppressive where like everything is like, if you look at SLRs right now, one of my problems with digital is like the the lens is the size of a barrel and it's an F 1.2 and it costs $3,000 yeah. and all, all it's good for is shooting at F 1.2. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They don't even and, go uh, down to F 16 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, so I try to stay out of the extremes. And another thing is, too, my eyes aren't amazing. Mm. So when I was shooting a Hasselblad with a digital back, I would miss focus so much. But if I put it on an F8, I could usually hit it pretty well. So it just makes you think more about your background and your composition. And you don't rely so much on the background is blurry. Doesn't it look cool? Mm. <laughs> um, but also, F8 is usually pretty good for f8 and one five hundredth of a second for a bad time of day or for a later time of day it gives you a nice darker background and then you just raise your flash until it hits f8 hmm. um it meters at f8 and then since they're silhouetted in this case of extreme backlighting you can pop the flash multiple times and see like okay i, I could see it's like it, the flash is getting down to her thighs at least like lighting wise and um, and I don't think it's creating any overly awkward shadows on her glasses. Hmm. And then you can see the no shadow in this case, too. And it's not quite a perfect loop, which is another reason I should have had it over just a little hmm. bit more. Uh, you see how the nose is almost, it's almost front lighting, but also that's unassisted life. She was doing multiple poses. And then this one, I'm like, that's close enough to loop. Mm. <laughs> and so like if this were the shot I went out, like if I went and it's like, I want to go out and recreate the shot. Hey, mm. hey Amber, can you go with me to those, to that trail and do this again? I would move that. And I would know now it's like, okay, when you're like this, I'm going to move it just a little more over to loop that light. And when people realize like the loop means when that little shadow wraps around the, around her nostril, Mm. And it makes this like little L shape. Yeah, you've got you've got and, kind of the the shadow coming a bit more off to the side than of what it is now. Yeah, you're, you're kind of in between loop and and butterfly or paramount lighting here, yeah. where the, the shadow's yeah, exactly. falling directly under the nose. And her, yeah. you know, you want to have it kind of coming a bit more this way to get a loop. Yeah, definitely. And I don't want it to go so far that it's like a disconnected Rembrandt. Yeah. Uh, I, and oddly enough, that was with her. I did this other shoot with her recently where uh, I was real happy with how I posed her because I did the, the full Rembrandt triangle thing. I like turn, like I remembered, turn your head just a little. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Hold that. And it looks good. Cool. And uh, so it's just one of those like, like this shoot, I kind of missed a little bit. But then the next shoot, I remembered, oh, why don't I just move that light just a little bit more? But uh, in this case, too, I don't think it necessarily ruins the photo that I just slightly missed the loop on the nose. 
I'm I'm pretty sure you're the only person who's analyzing that loop, you know, and uh, you know, <laughs> exactly. which is great because that that's what you're working on and that's what you're trying to improve on and uh you know, anybody watching or listening is is kind of coming along on that journey, but you always think yeah. when when you're looking at other people's photographs I wasn't looking at the loop. I was like, oh, cool, backlight. Look at her hair glowing. Look at the pose. Oh, yeah, she looks real epic. Yeah. What's going on here? This is really cool. Hmm. And then that's when you realize, oh, I slightly messed up, but no one even notices or cares. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Um, Close is good enough sometimes. Yeah, and and, I don't know. if, If you get something perfect, then I don't know. That's great, and it's lovely to have a great shot. But I I enjoy the the process of learning and trying different things. And, oh yeah. Um, if I get close to what I what I set out to get, then then I'm happy. So oh yeah, and and there's this thing, this concept, and I'm pretty sure there's like a scientific study for it. But I, I've always called it jitter. Um, I did it in graphic design and everything. I would always notice that if things were a little too perfect, they looked boring. But mm. if you just had some subtle differences, some slight misalignments. Something's a little off. It looks more natural. And that's what people are noticing with uh, digital noise versus grain. Hmm. Uh, grain. Everyone's like, grain is more organic. Hmm. Grain is more natural. It's because grain doesn't fall into a perfect grid like uh, like pixels do. And it, and it introduces this kind of uh, softness to it in a way that makes it look more natural because it's not so rigid and perfect. Hmm. So you, on this shoot, and I think this is also one of your YouTube videos, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, people can keep look over your shoulder and watch you doing this. Um, oh, yeah. In this shoot, you also, I'm going to pull up one here, and this is the the same shoot, I'm guessing. And But oh, yeah. you, you did a black and white image. And yeah. um, maybe maybe just talk a little bit about what your thought process is. You know, when do you reach for the color? When do you reach for the black and white? And what what um, what do you do differently then? And sometimes I'll just do it to like force myself to see different because I can get so in love with color that I forget that black and white looks really cool. But also in this case, I'm like, okay, this light, this this grass is dry. This was mm-hmm. uh, sometime more wintry. I, I forget exactly when, but it was colder. Um, everything was kind of dead, and there wasn't much vegetation in a tree. She wasn't really wearing any particular color either. So um, I'm like, okay, well, why don't I try to like see what I can get black and white? And I don't remember. <laughs> I had to have used flash on this a little bit. Um, but there were some times where I'm like, okay, the sun was starting to get a little lower. It's starting to get a little better to work with as opposed to earlier in the shoot. But um, I'm like, okay, well, I will shoot backlit without flash a lot too and just blow up the background more. Mm-hmm. So I, it's kind of weird. I'll go like either severely underexposed the background or completely blow it out. Mm-hmm. And I think both of them have a lot of like there's this angelic type quality to a silhouette, a would be silhouetted, backlit, overexposed background, and uh, sometimes you want somebody to look like angelic or celestial or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's uh, and that kind of gives you a mood or feeling for how you're seeing that person. And then uh, her her pants in this case were darker. 
um, than the grass, which would show up lighter. And, and so everything's kind of like you get to play with the shapes more. Like, like I said, she's kind of taller and more uh, lanky. So I had that wide angle lens a lot closer than it looks. Mm. And uh, it lets you fill the frame with, with shapes more and think like in triangles for her legs and triangle for her arms. Um, and so you kind of build compositions out of the poses. And this is all stuff that you, you don't see when you're learning it, but then you try it a couple times and like, Oh, in this pose, why don't you bend your leg? It'll create a triangle. Mm. And then you kind of get better and better at doing that in building compositions and that's also where it's handy to i mean number one look at other people's uh work but also look at other art Mm, there's like some um i want to say the artist is richard diebenkorn it's a painter who will do um very broad shapes and uh it's very handy for learning composing with like very very broad shapes but it's it's kind of like he'll do it'll be like a building or a parking lot or a landscape or something like that uh, a living room but it'll be built in this very basic way and you learn how to how to build interesting compositions so when you're posing someone you can start seeing them in a series of triangles so not only are you getting an interesting pose with a person but you're also building the composition in a very um, structured way uh, without even thinking about it sometimes. Hmm. But it just kind of helps bring together, like especially another thing I like about the square frame of the Hasselblad is it really works with a lot of filling the frame. Like you can you can fill the frame in ways that it's harder to do on narrower frames. Yeah, you're always, I, I noticed that too, you're always kind of saying like, Okay, you can you can make your arms wider, or you can you can uh, you know reach out this way yeah. a bit more, and uh, yep. rather than like, oh, can you bring that arm in a little bit? It's it's out of the frame, or yeah, yeah. And you've you've got this nice in this image. It's um, as you were saying, backlit, and it's you're you've got your lens almost sitting on her foot, I guess, and it's, yeah, you've yeah, got this really, leg yeah. kind of leading you up, and her whole body is kind of at a diagonal going across the frame. So you've yeah. got this this nice leading line, and then you've got her her other knee kind of making a little triangle there, and and her arm is going across it, and her her corset thing is making kind of a an interesting shape, and yeah, the 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 lights and the darks, it almost looks like a like an infrared photo almost. Yeah, it's kind of getting I'm that. Trying to, yeah, I'm trying to remember if this was. I want to say this is Cat Lab's film, but I can't remember if I shot. I don't think this was ortho, but I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> but uh, it does have that feel, and that's part of why um, I shot black and white there because I knew all that stuff would go so light. Mm. I may have had a filter on. That's what it was. I think I was shooting filtered. Okay. Um, we'll we'll maybe, go back and watch the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to watch that for sure. But that's why it looks like that. And I knew all that kind of brownish, reddish stuff in the background would go really bright Hmm. and that would make her pants go darker. And so I'd have this like almost ortho quality to it. And it just feels like kind of a, gives a dreamy quality maybe to this, um, this, this setting. Um, So you, you can see that 
there's a lot at play that I definitely didn't think about when I was shooting. Mm. I just kind of learn it and it stays in there. And, uh, that's kind of how it works. Like, um, it doesn't, it's not always a conscious thing, but you've learned it and it just becomes part of the process. That's very cool. That's, that's something that I tell a lot of my, uh, I teach tango on the side. So, uh, I tell a lot of my students, you know, when they start, then we, we talk a lot about walking and how to walk (laughs) and how to move your feet and that sort of thing. And, you know, then after, after a couple of months, I say, you know, remember your first class, we were talking about walking and that was hard, you know, Mm -hmm. and now you're walking and you're not thinking about it. So, you know, you you just got to keep, keep building up those. You can only focus on, um, you know, your brain can only be concentrated on so many things at a time. And so you've got to train yourself to kind of have, have some things working in the background or on, on autopilot so that that frees up your, your cognitive ability to, to focus on new things or the creative things that you want to be, you know, working on today. Yeah, definitely. And, and you, uh, don't like, I'll have anchor points. I'll think of like the no shadow is a good anchor point for me because I know a lot is going to fall in line if Mm. I get that right. And then I'll, um, that'll give me a chance while I'm looking. And I, another thing I tell people is like, it's not going as fast as, as quickly or as long, or it's not going as long as you think it is. When you're framing that up, it's not taking 10 minutes. It's mm. probably taking two. Mm. And so people will get this like rush mindset. Mm. So they don't take an extra second while looking through the viewfinder to like, is the tree in the wrong place? <laughs> and, and, if you give yourself an extra second, sometimes looking around, it's like, oh, the corner of this frame is weird. I just mm. noticed my finger is is on the lens. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll have a strap over the lens sometimes, uh. and because like it's like okay, uh, now hold that for a second. And that's another nice thing about film. You can say this is a little slower. It's going to take mm. a little longer, but uh, it's going to be great. And even though I, I did this the other day, too, uh, I, I shot three rolls of film with someone and it was like a thousand degrees outside. So it, it was, it was exhausting, <laughs> but uh, we shot three rolls of film. So I was doing her senior photos for college. She mm-hmm. was graduating from a university. And um, so we were go- on campus shooting some photos. I'm like, okay, there's three rolls. There's 12 shots per roll. 36 photos. Doesn't sound like a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, or 32, yeah, 36, yeah. <laughs> 36. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, I, uh, it's like it doesn't sound like a lot, but um, trust me. When I, I've noticed, especially since I've been shooting so much more film only, I can do. I almost only do one shot per pose now. Mm. Like I'll get a pose and I'll move to the next one. And mm. I remember digital, especially, you just do twenty five, mm. thirty of the exact same pose, and then you agonize on the computer after. I'm like. Which one is better? Is it, which one's going to end of my career, and which is going to make it is take it, off? <laughs> is it this one or this one? Here? Yeah, exactly. Here? <laughs> it's like sometimes a little hair will blow in the wind, oh, and yeah. it's the only difference. Yeah. Like one of these is better. One of these is going to make me. The other one's going to end uh, it all. <laughs> it's like film. It's like I got the shot. It looks good. It works, <laughs> or it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, or it doesn't, and then you move on to the next one. Yeah. And I tell people, it's like we take thirty-six. You're only going to care about three yeah like she 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 needed two for her invitations Mm -hmm. i got 35 out of 36 exposures right Mm -hmm. um 
I think I missed focus or just, uh, oh, I forgot the flash on one. So it was okay. really underexposed Okay, because I forgot to plug in the flash. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, at this point I took 36 shots, 35 turned out and she only needed two. Cool. So and I've got like two or three on there that I was like, oh, these would look really cool if I just put them on my Instagram or put them in a portfolio or something. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's all I needed. Cool. I, and it saved me. Hours going through two thousand digital files. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so are you are you scanning and developing those yourself? Then I am. Yeah, yeah I, I develop. I I'm kind of. This is kind of where the darkroom probably started seeding itself mm. in my mind. Um, when I was in grad school about eight or nine years ago, now I borrowed a Jobo from my community college where I worked and took a bunch of photo classes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the teacher let me borrow the Jobo because students weren't really using it anymore. They were shooting some film, but they weren't that intense anymore. Okay. So uh, I borrowed it, and I was doing my graduate work on it. I'm like, oh, these are great. I can do five rolls of film at once. This is awesome, <laughs> especially with color yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And so at some point, it, um, it wound up after the photo program got killed. Uh, the, the Jobo wound up being gifted to me. Nice. So... I was at home with this Jobo, like I kind of like it had a missing cog on it and I kind of replaced it and kind of got it cleaned up and running full speed again. And, and I was developing a ton of film and then the pandemic hit and people were like, do you develop film? Mm-hmm. And I started developing tons of film for people. And, uh, which reminds me, I have a lot of stuff to scan when I get home, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it just grew from there. Like we're, I've always liked doing it myself. And when I started photography, I didn't really like developing film a lot. Hmm. But then something like it was 18 year old me versus not 18 year old me. Mm. <laughs> but I really love developing film now. Yeah, I find it's it, got a lot of other things. Yeah. I find it very relaxing. It's kind of a meditation, exactly. you know, you, you, yeah. you got to be there. You got to be paying attention, but it's not super stressful. So you're kind of in this, this oh, yeah. kind of Zen relaxed state where it's like, I'm just watching Definitely. my timer. I'm not thinking about much else, but it's not especially stressful. when you get to. Oh yeah, especially when you get to build it into your living situation. Mm. Like everything's exactly where I want it. Oh, nice. I don't have to fight people for sink space. Everything's where I need it. My timer's in the same place every time. I do the same process every time, and it's mm. very relaxing and and uh, and very re- rewarding. And I have it in a set up in a way where within an hour, almost everything is dry. Nice. I joke that it's almost one hour photo. Nice. I can go shoot photos, get home, and almost within an hour have them dry, uh, developed. And within another hour, they're dried. Like if I'm really crazy, I get a heat gun and dry the <laughs> negatives. But I haven't done that in a while because it is so sensitive that mm. like, you have to be so careful not oh, yeah. to push too hard. Yeah. But um, I'll force dry it to the point where it doesn't grain it up or anything. But I recognize the drying process of film now. So like mm. within two hours, I can have it on the scan. The I can scan it, which I do the camera scanning mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I have the process down. Negative Lab Pro. Like I need to learn their their copy settings to the whole roll thing. They yeah. changed it on this beta, and I have not learned it. Okay. <laughs> But uh, I, I've got a pretty fast workflow with the whole thing. And it's nice because 
get the benefits of Photoshop and Lightroom, mm. but without the hours of calling mm. 45 of the same photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got uh, my, my tip that I'm always trying to tell people when they're setting up a camera scanning thing is I've got my, I've got a macro rail bolted to the wall. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's my copy stand. And oh, nice. so whenever, you know, it's just sitting there and whenever I need to do yeah. it, I just put my camera up, put my, my scanning bed underneath it, take my pictures, put it away. And I did a roll of medium format the other day. It was like 10 minutes from setting everything oh, yeah. up, everything scanned, everything inverted. And that's uh, awesome. That's lovely. That's, that's lovely. Oh yeah. That's the thing about, I love about camera scanning too. There are so many ways to do it. Yeah. There's so many ways you can go, you can spend 2000 bucks on a setup or you can spend 20 bucks and possibly get a setup. Yeah. It's yeah. just so versatile, and and a lot of it's just like what works best for me. You can get a very good setup. Like I, I got lucky and got one of uh, Ethan Moses's um, mongoose scanners for oh, my nice. thirty-five millimeter. Nice. I suck at using the auto settings on that. Okay, but I figured out how to use a setting slightly wrong, mm-hmm. and I can scan a roll of thirty-five millimeter film in like five or six minutes. Awesome. Convert it in like two or three. Yeah like 30 minutes I'll be looking at positives and picking them out. Yeah, that's great. Well, we've been talking for quite a while. I think oh, we should, geez. we should wrap it up a bit. Um, oh, yeah. but, uh, just a couple of kind of quick questions to, I don't know, just in you know, this, the quick fire round as some people call oh, yeah. it or whatever. Um, so if you were, if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody who's starting with flash, what would be mm-hmm. your, your top tip for getting started? Um, I think probably the top tip would probably be, um, don't, don't, uh, be afraid of it. Just screw it up, screw up a bunch. Cause like my early flash photos look pretty bad. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's like, and just get it out of your system. Like learn how it works. You will do some, it's not going to be nearly as hard as you think it is. Um, it's not math. Really, I'm bad at math. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, it, it, there's very little math. As long as you can remember full, medium, low, you're probably going to know enough. There's nothing wrong with auto settings, but also manual is just really easy. And mm-hmm. you'll find that a lot of times your settings are almost always the same. Like mm-hmm. almost every picture I shoot is at F8. And the, the flash setting is like roughly halfway most of the time. And my shutter speed is almost always like on the Hasselblad is almost always one two fiftieth or one five hundredth. Mm, yeah, I mean, there's like three settings I use. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's it. Yeah. it. It just gets like it's the it's there's a thing called the funnel, the creative funnel, where mm-hmm. you narrow down what you can do. Like you pick a, a, a specialization, mm-hmm. so you have all the all the world, and then you pick one thing, and it gets real narrow. But then you've narrowed down like, what do I like to do? And then the world of possibilities opens up. Mm. I've like opened up the world of possibilities for my two shutter speeds, two F stops and one or two flash settings. And and now I don't have to like do a lot of complex metering. I just kind of learned how shadows work, learned lighting color, hard and soft lighting because I did just, I went out there and screwed up a bunch of photos Mm. and my career didn't get ruined by it. Nice. Nice. So I just go out and screw up a bunch and read <laughs> and watch videos. Nice. Um, color or black and white, if you had to choose? If I had to choose, 
I know it's so good to say black and white. I want to say black and white so much, but I just really love color. <laughs> but I shoot color like black and white. Okay. I tell people. Okay. Like you think in value and in everything in black and white. But I'm like, you can think in value and shape and color too. And you just have the added variable of the colors themselves and the intensity of those colors. And so I kind of think of it all the same way, but if I had to choose, I'd probably have to do color just because that's, I'm just like that. But I think people should strongly, um, if they don't shoot much black and white, I think they should really dive into it because mm. it can look extremely dramatic, yeah. especially at times like sunset. Hmm. That's interesting because you you usually think like oh sunset nice warm colors yep. reach for the color film and exactly uh, maybe exactly. actually like, doing the contrary would be more interesting. Oh yeah, I have a friend who went to uh, Shiprock um, State Park, like beautiful mountain. I forget exactly. I'm bad at this, but <laughs> but it's like a beautiful mountain, uh, New Mexico landscape, and it like sunset, and there was like a hard shadow falling across, and the light was so warm, so everyone was like ooh, these desert colors and a sunset <laughs> color. She shot black and white, and it looks so beautiful. Oh, nice. The contrast is so nice. It's just like all that texture, all that uh, contrast and value changes. It's just beautiful. Cool, cool. Um, let's let's go ahead and get your contact stuff here. Because um, okay. as I said, I, I, I think I heard you on a podcast first, uh, and then saw your YouTube channel and then uh, found your website and then found your Patreon. And so you, you've yeah, got a whole bunch of stuff going here. So I hope oh, I've got, got all a, this uh, right. Um, you but, do. Okay, but go ahead cool. and, and uh, for the people listening, where, where do you want to direct people to go? Okay. So the, the easiest thing is if you, if you can't remember anything else, Jamie M photo, that's J A M I E M like Mastodon, I guess, photo.com. <laughs> Uh, that will have links to all my personal socials. There's Jamie Maldonado on YouTube, just my name. We'll probably pull it up. Uh, Instagram, if that's easier to remember, is Jamie M. Photo also. Pretty much my Jamie M. Photo will lead you to everything under my personal stuff. And then there's also pineywoodsdarkroom.org uh, or pineywoodsdarkroom on, um, on Instagram. And I think they're both on threads. I'm trying to remember all the all the socials now. But Jamie M Photo and Piney Woods Darkroom will get you get you what I do almost anywhere. And I'm, uh, and I'm sure Jamie they're all Maldonado for YouTube. They're they're linked to each other too. So if you if you find one, you find them all, I guess. Exactly. I try to I try to make it where like if you can remember one of them, mm. <laughs> you'll be able to find them. Yeah. So what what is the next step with your uh, with Piney Woods? Where's where's that going? What's the next step? The next step is, uh, is finally finding a place where I can open uh, a physical location. There's a bunch of different aspects at, at play. Like I'm trying to get into a certain arts funding district mm -hmm. uh, in Longview, Texas. Where, so like that kind of limits my geographical reach, but also it's very advantageous too. And, um, and then affording it and, mm -hmm. uh, so on that note, I am always open to take donations of any size. <laughs> yeah. Even now, um, I'm a 501c3 nonprofit. So legit, like, you know, there's laws that say things I have to do with it and everything. So uh, I'm approved. I have the letters and I'm legally 
bound to show you if you ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that means that means so, donations are tax deductible. If I, uh, yes, they yeah. are. Yes, I've, I've been dealing with German tax law for ten years. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out of practice that, with like, the American I'm, stuff. Oh yeah, uh, I am. I am at the point where I'm like. I am doing very narrow <laughs> things so that I don't mess up mm. and get a rude awakening from accounting at some point soon. Yep. So I'm like being very, but uh, everything I'm done, I, I'm taking every note, you know, like keeping up with every receipt and purchase. Mm. And But uh, every donation helps a lot and it goes 100%. Like I haven't even really paid myself yet. So, <laughs> and this is going to be my main job. So that's going to be a thing I have to do. Mm. But, um, but yeah, everything goes into trying to open this dark room and hopefully it'll become like a destination and on top of becoming a hub for this area for people who want film and to, who want to learn all aspects of analog photography. Cool. Are you also um, looking for um, equipment or that sort of thing? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I do take that. Uh, there are certain things like travel is hit and miss for me to pick it up, mm. like there are a couple things in play where, like, if I drive to somewhere, I might be able to get it. But overall, if it can be mailed, yes. If I can pick it up, or you can drop it off to me, absolutely. So, um, and certain things I would drive across the country mm. for. So, so I get, do. Uh, if you got something good, then get in touch, and oh yeah, might find a and if it useful home actual, for it. Oh yeah, and if it has actual monetary value, still. And you do want to do something with taxes? Um, I'll talk to an accountant and figure mm. that out. <laughs> yeah, I think you can get like a donation receipt also for a good that you donated. Yeah. So, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's um, it, it. It'll work like any other nonprofit. I might just have to learn really fast to not screw something up. <laughs> but well, I, I would happily take it. I've taken some several donations. I have pictures of my storage unit, which is beginning to overflow. <laughs> So yeah. I'm excited to actually get a location so people can play with all this stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I um, this last weekend actually there was a an analog workshop here in my hometown, and I cool. I happened to stumble across it, and it was um you know kind of a it was three days meet develop and print in the dark room, and it was Ooh, funded cool. by the local government arts commission or something like that. So it was a awesome. free workshop for the participants. And, uh, it was really cool. It was, I think eight or nine participants and two or three, uh, guys leading it. And it was really fun to see, you know, talk to the people who had maybe never, never done it. Younger people who had never oh, yeah. shot film, uh, some hipsters who were just getting into film, um, yep. some older guys, uh, some older ladies oh, yeah. also who had, you know, used to shoot film and you oh, know, yeah. wanted to get back into it. So just seeing that yeah. enthusiasm from all those people was, was fantastic. So I'm sure that's something that you'll, you'll get to experience soon too. Oh yeah. That is definitely one of the main things I'm like, yeah, I want to give people the access to all this stuff, but I really love the idea because I wanted to be a teacher. They just killed them all in my college programs. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I want to have classes and one-on-ones and give people the opportunity to meet other photo students and like learn from other people and have that kind of um, that kind of situation where I where I had and and other people have had an education or whatever or communities and, and build the community part of community darkroom. Cool. 
Well, yeah. it's been it's been lovely chatting with you. I'm sure we could go on talking for another couple of hours. So maybe we'll have <laughs> yeah. to maybe we'll have to adjourn and come back another time. And uh, oh, yeah, and absolutely, I'd love to come back. Yeah. So uh, thanks so much for making this this possible and and sharing your experiences with us. And um, yeah, thank you, and uh, thanks for being my first uh, Sunny Sixteen podcast. By the way, oh, okay, is it in the network? Yeah, I wow. think it's the first one. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Well, I'm happy to to bring you to this side of the pond. I guess. Oh yeah, get, get you out of the negative positives pool and bring you over to the Sunny Sixteen <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I could, I'm sure I could make some jokes here, but yeah, I, I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, hey everybody. All right, well, uh, that's us for this this time around i've got another couple of guests in the works so um keep keep your eyes on this space as they say and um yeah we'll we'll talk to y'all again soon thanks for having me all right bye-bye everybody bye